Well, I really, um, I know that the Lord is working a lot within people in our church, and I um, wanted to give you an opportunity to share with us what the Lord is doing in your life, what you've been learning in recent days, and I think that our numbers are low. I hope I didn't frighten them all away, but I, I maybe I'll borrow some that I heard from some other people if we have too large of a gap, and we will um, edit out any of the blank spots, and so it's okay if, we're, if there's a pause in between, and if we run out of material in five minutes, we'll just have 45 minutes to fellowship, I guess. So, so I'm not going to uh, do a lecture per se in that regard. So if you have um, anything that you would like to share with what the Lord has been teaching you in recent days, or some um, precious word of encouragement to the rest of us or anything, this is your time to do so. Just come up here and hold the microphone like this, and then you can share with us. It's, it's like what the Bible talks about in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, the people gather together, and then uh, three or four or more speak, and the people who hear and see are encouraged, and they realize that God is truly in our midst. And if it were just for the seven of us or ten of us who are here, we could just have a conversation. But part of what we're doing is also recording this for our stay-at-home audience. And so there will be people like Pat and the Torres and the Durhams who aren't able to get out at all yet, and they're very faithful in listening to and watching these. And so this is a way to love them too, remotely. Okay? So I'll just put the mic down and uh, give someone else some opportunities. The first person's always hard, so I'm giving you a gift of going first. All right. Um, you can take your mask off for the camera, too. Sure. Uh, Psalm 23.1 has been a really important verse for me lately. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, it's a very simple verse, but um, it has reminded me often in times of discontent or times of frustration or anxiety or even sin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A lot of the sins that we face, whether it's lust or greed or anger, um, at least for me, uh, come out of a lie that say, I deserve something that fills in the blank. I deserve peace and quiet at night instead of my kids yelling and screaming and not going to sleep. And uh, it's in those moments where, when I'm able to, I remind myself of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which reminds me that God is big, he's sovereign, uh, he provides. Um, and then in him, all of these other things from this life don't really matter. And uh, I shall not want. And that's been a huge, I call them fighter verses, those little verses that stick in your head that in those moments you got to pull up and grab out. And so that's been big in my life lately. Number two, and then three, four, easier and easier, right? <laughs> anyway, um, so I was doing a little word puzzle today, and um, the, the clue was contentment. And the answer was happiness. And um, I was thinking of that verse that says, with food and raiment, or you know, shelter, be content and happy. Because um, our pearl of great price remains unchanged. Um, late 
just in the last couple of, um, and that would be Jesus, my Savior and Lord, and, um, who can be all of, our, our, all of us. He can, um, we can acknowledge him as Savior and um, be thankful he is the Lord. But someone gave me a book um, called The Pilgrim Church, and um, I read the Catholic viewpoint of the church history and the Protestant viewpoint of church history. And this one's different. This one, uh, the author um, lived in Europe for a while and um, um, found uh, documents and records of the uh, Pilgrim Church, which uh, adhered always to, well, to greater or lesser degree, a greater degree than um, the state churches. And that's, it's really been wonderful for me to read this because, um, you know, I just love seeing the faithful Christians that one day, by God's grace, we will be happy to meet. And so I'd just like to uh, share a little bit from Hebrews because um, they record some of these people too. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were saved in two, sawed in two. I heard that that might have been, um, what was the prophet? Isaiah? I can't remember somehow. <laughs> I've heard that, but I was thinking, and the reason I'm reading this is because this happened to many people in the book that I'm reading. And we inherited uh, the benefit of the sacrifice. Okay. Um, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This must have been Old Testament um, believers. But, um, you know, so I'm just really thankful that um, God had shown himself to be powerful and so lovely that um, many people have gone before us um, with that uh, conviction that, that God embedded in their souls and so he enabled them to uh, you know be a witness to a very needy world the Lord always seems to work with me teaches me things when I'm trying to prepare something to teach to others and uh, as most of you know, I do talk times at Attic, and this year I've been doing Proverbs. And what I will be doing on Tuesday is comparing the righteous and the wicked. And uh, <clears throat> where I'm ending up with that is reminding 
the students, as well as having reminded myself that my heart is deceptive and terribly wicked. And if my heart is wicked, I need a new heart. And that Jesus came to give me that new heart. A heart that is right instead of being wicked, a heart that is righteous. Which means, because I'll start talking about what the righteous do, okay? And so if I have a new and a righteous heart, I should do the acts of the righteous people. And, uh, but we can't do that on our own. It's been a reminder to me that I need to do the righteous things and not the sinful things and uh, seek to follow my Lord because he's given me a new heart. Well, if we do, Gene, then they can't hear you. So you want me to help hold you up? Okay, I'll bring it over to you. They won't be able to see you, which oh, I don't care. what we want. I don't care about you. Bible class, you know? 
Okay, assume my parents that they started going to church with three kids. And uh, the church started in a storefront church just south of Godwin Hardware and Plumbing on Division. Uh, and the preacher had to be a woman, <laughs> which isn't, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Anyway, um, okay, her name was Mrs. Coots. She preached, and her husband always had the communion service. He described all that Jesus went through before the cross and the time Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Many times he would cry what Jesus went through for our sins. He preached, uh, she preached the gospel, hell and heaven, every sermon. My parents were saved when I was about five. Not long after my parents were saved, my dad quit smoking and quit making strong drink. He was a, he, I was impressed with the uh, messages and the communion time as I grew older. No more room in the storefront church. So the people moved to a building on Coolidge, a half block north, and it kept growing with people getting saved. Uh, the name of the church was then named Godwin Tabernacle. And this place was um, Wyoming Tabernacle. I mean, you know, at about the same time. Okay, can you can you hear me? Oh, okay. Um, okay, on a Sunday night, Mrs. Cooch had a stirring message on the gospel, hell and heaven. I raised my hand. My parents led me to the Lord when I got home. As I grew older and learned the Bible, I wasn't sure I was saved. So I was saved again. Now I'm sure Mrs. Coots baptized me in Green Lake. After some years, Mrs. Coots realized she should be a minister because there were so many people, I mean, about 200 of them. And uh, so she realized that she shouldn't be, you know, and she knows the Bible. Uh, so anyway, uh, then there was a pastor, pastor by the name of Tanakh. That, that's who took over it. Okay. Um, oh, she realized she shouldn't be a minister over men. So the man was voted in as a minister. In the beginning, she did her part of winning people to God, Jesus. I need Jesus in my life all the time. I'm thankful for a Christian home that everyone has to be saved individually and has, and has to have a desire to learn more about Jesus. I fail Jesus, but he never fails me. I say wrong words, but come to Jesus in a repentant way when I sin. We are sinners saved by grace and his sinless blood. Uh, the church now that uh, it's Maple Island Baptist, and that's on Maple Island. Uh, you probably heard of Maple Island Baptist, but that's but the church. Anyway, anyway I think, I'm thankful I'm saved. did that great. Thank you. Someone else that the Lord is teaching you something in your life these days? The Lord is teaching us all something all the time, so it's just a matter of having the courage and the um, courage to come and share. Um, I guess I don't really know how to start, but it kind of starts with Becky's story. <laughs> and Becky's downstairs, so I'll just uh, I'll do a testimony for Becky. 
2019, Becky went on this weight loss journey that was um, uh, a miracle of God. She um, decided, um, she went to the doctor because she and Eric were having trouble getting pregnant. And her doctor said to Becky, I think if you lost a little bit of weight, you would be able to get pregnant. And the doctor said to Becky, you know what to do. And so Becky went home and she, it's a beautiful story. I wish I could tell it as well as she tells it because it's hers. But she sat down and she said to God, there's no way I can lose this weight unless you lose this weight for me. And God took Becky on this beautiful, emotional, spiritual journey through 2019. And Becky lost, I think it's 40, a little over 40 pounds. And all because God was working in her heart and working in teaching her to trust him, to let go of the things that she thought she needed to do to lose weight and to let God do the things that he needs to do in this process of sanctification. So uh, late 2019, Becky got pregnant with Lucy. And then 2020 obviously happened. And so Becky spent all 2020 in quarantine being pregnant. And we have, um, she and I are very close. We had lots of conversations about, um, about weight loss because I'm a little bit better at weight loss than Becky has been in the past. And she said to me, um, I think it was maybe after Lucy was born, Katie, what if you and I did a weight loss in the gospel podcast together? <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, I love Jesus. I know how to lose weight. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. So Becky has organized it, and she um, got a verse for us for our podcast on gospel and, and weight loss. It's um, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we have taken this verse and we have taken it and we are applying the gospel to our lives, the gospel and how we um, treat our bodies, our physical bodies, are applying the gospel to how we eat, to how we drink water or don't drink water or things that we eat or don't eat. And we, um, we just recorded episode six, so it's a shameless uh, uh, advertisement in my podcast, is like we live in the body and look up. <laughs> Um, but I am learning so much. When you apply the gospel to all areas of your life, areas that you thought you were doing great in, the gospel is very good at showing you you are very not good at that. But Jesus is very good at forgiving you, and he is very good for taking your sin. Um, another verse that I really um, love when I think about it in this context is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So I'm so thankful that all of my efforts are not in vain, and they are efforts for the Lord and his work and his plan for my life. I would like to say, uh, wait, what was the question? Like, what? What's God's teaching you in your life? Okay, um, God's teaching me not to like, uh, I don't know, think of my past like hurts and struggles, like my like my trauma, not to like re um, rely on that as in 
it's not my future, you know? Like, I have a future besides the people who hurt me, or, um, yeah, I don't need to self-sabotage in a way. Like, he, he loves me, and I don't need to, um, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Twofer. Um, I'm actually going to speak about the board, actually. So the board of our church. We've been, um, if, we've got several board members here, so you guys are aware. Um, this is a year ago, nine months ago or something like that. Uh, John brought before the members of the board a confession of sorts, a, uh, a reflection that the, the way that we manage the board of this church was um, not the manner that we ought to have been operating or managing. Um, as a joke, we would often say on the Monday nights, I have a board meeting, B-O-R-E-D, as in snooze fest. And uh, it would be the joke, right? And uh, instead of B-O-A-R-D, board. So nine months ago or so, John brought that before us um, and laid the, the challenge to put in more effort to... Uh, move beyond thinking of a board as in we're just doing administrative tasks and to grab onto the perspective that we are the elders and the shepherds and the leaders spiritually of the church. It's not just the role of the paid pastoral staff. And so that was a good challenge. And, and I would say that God has been working um, as individuals and members of our board as well as just the board as a whole. And just about everybody really embraced the challenge of shepherding the church. I'd say everybody kind of knew that, but in one sense, it was kind of like watching a flower open up a little bit or somebody wake up from a nap. There was a clarity of vision, um, a clarity of what God is calling us to do. And I think it's enlivened, revived, individuals on the board and I think that's really really great and really exciting and so um, it's it's um, COVID has been weird this last year to see you know our church operating at 50% capacity of the number of people that we were and uh, there's discouragement right and sometimes in, in who doesn't show up and yet we could also look at this time as a time of pruning and a time of specific growth. And so we're on a lot of people like we did, but the board is a lot healthier. And I think that God will, God has used this time to revive and reinvigorate our church elders and deacons. And I think God will bring fruit to our faithfulness to him in that. So I'm really encouraged. I'm really excited with the direction the board is headed because we're, it's a shame to say that we weren't focused on spiritual matters because I think we were, but I think there's a much better clarity and focus and desire that's present on focusing on the spiritual health of the church that wasn't there before. So God's working. I'm excited about that. As I was listening to Gene Dalton reminded me, Wednesdays at 1.30 in the afternoon, uh, Fred and Gail Personaire, Laura Hedingham, and our uh, Gene Dahlman, 
And my, my wife and I, we gather around the piano over here, we sing a hymn, and we have a time of prayer. The only, as far as Bible study we concerned is, is that we read a song just before we go to prayer. And then we pray, we pray for at least a half an hour normally. And we have everything that comes over the email. Uh, I kind of give a short synopsis of that because most of them already know what they are. And so we, uh, to me, it's just been a blessing and it's an encouragement to me uh, because as I get older, I feel the effects of being older a little bit more every year. <clears throat> and yet to have these dear people gather together and pray, uh, and they are here every Wednesday, punctually, as for a time for prayer. And it just is encouragement to me to keep on going, whether I feel like it or not. I want to uh, share some stories I've heard recently from some of our people who aren't here right now, but I think that I'd have their permission to share them. Um, I try not to get too emotional. And uh, also, these are not uh, self-promoting. They're just realities of the gospel working. But uh, one of the ones, Fred Rodenberg, <clears throat> uh, last Sunday morning, came up to me and he was uh, at the um, Don Powers funeral service. And because we had the overflow room set up, he was in the um, coffee area, the cookie area by himself to just monitor the technology and make sure the sound was good. And, and so he was in there all by himself. And he said to me, Sunday morning, he said, I don't know if it was because I couldn't see you or so it was like listening to the radio or something. But he said, I just want you to know that the gospel presentation was so clear to me. It was so powerful. And I, I, and he was sort of in tears, and I said, me too, Don, you know, the gospel is real to me too. And so even though God used me to say the words, it was really the gospel that was so beautiful. And in particular, I was moved by the, um, the thought that I heard from Tim Keller, who was quoting Jonathan Edwards, and it's part of what I did on the Good Friday service, but the, the clarity with which um, Jesus' experience in the Garden of Gethsemane was a foretaste, a preview of the, the horrors that he would experience the next day, and yet he still said yes, and still he still obeyed. So that was a pretty encouraging story to me. Also, we just finished a spiritual formation group that meets on, that had met on Wednesday evenings, and it had um, Pat Mears and Susie Capon and um, Tony and Trish Torres and Eric Overweg, and for part of the time, Josh Feenstra, he had to drop out towards the end. But that was a really great experience if you've ever been in a spiritual formation group. If you haven't, you should sign up next time we do that. And um, there's a couple of stories from there that I thought I'd want to share you, with you. Um, Susie Capon's story is extraordinary. If you've never heard it, you need to. And she was, um, she's had a hard life and been treated poorly. It's, uh, she confessed it's hard for her to remember that God loves her unconditionally because her parents told her that they didn't love her that way, that she wasn't their favorite and that the other kids were. 
in the family. And so she's had many voices in her life not treat her right. And um, one of the things she said is that when she says, she's artsy and she would be, you know, she says, my name is Susie Q, but the Q is silent. So you don't say that part, she's just funny. But she said that um, when she drives on the road and sometimes in the evening or in the morning, you see the shadows of the tree across the road, you know, it flickers as you drive by. She says, I pretend that that's God writing, I love you in barcode across the road. So your, your barcode scanner is telling you that God loves you. And so I sent her a picture the other day of our walk on the bike trail because there was barcodes on the bike trail that day too. So that was kind of a fun story. And then I've also been encouraged by Pat's story. Um, again, as, as usual, she's a practically perfect person. Right? There's been a lot of years of sanctification in her life. But it's been so encouraging for her to, to be so pleased with our church ministry. She's watching it from a distance. She's faithful every Sunday with our Zoom meetings. And we participated in this um, spiritual formation group over Zoom. So she can't be here yet, and she's hoping to soon. But the point is, she's just so pleased with our church that she shares our videos and, and stories with her family. And they're amazed at, at our faithfulness and the, and the uh, issues that we're willing to address in the forthright nature. And so that's super encouraging too. And then also um, the Torres are, are such a sweet couple and encouraging. And um, Trisha's, uh, again, she shared today, you know, trying to learn to be like Naaman, who this morning we learned that you know he was expecting Elisha to work in a certain way, and when he when it didn't work the way he expected, he got angry. That's a picture of the way we are all the time with expectations. We expect things to work a certain way, and when they don't, it's easy to get angry. And so she reminded us all again that we need to give our expectations to the Lord and let Him be in charge, so that when things happen, they're privileged rather than an expectation fulfilled which makes us grateful instead of not showing So that was kind of a neat thing. And I have to say, watching um, Eric Overwig blossom and Josh Feenstra be loved by those um, other people were just super encouraging. And so their stories are pretty awesome. So a spiritual formation group is a really powerful way to knit your heart to a fellow believer. And it's an encouragement. I wish you guys could all be part of that. Pat reminded us today, you know, Naaman, he's got, he's a pretty noble character. He, he must have treated that slave girl pretty well for her to even be kind enough to tell him about how he could be cured. And his ability to listen to advice, even when he's angry, he listens, he listened to his servants. And he was so clear-minded and his conscience was so clear he knew he needed to get permission to, to help his master bow down in the temple and not be implicated himself. And so Naaman's a pretty cool guy. We all decided today that if you named your son Naaman, that'd be an okay name because he was a pretty good guy. And by God's grace, the way God's grace worked in his life. So, so those are some of the things that the Lord has been teaching me through other people that I've been watching and, and listening to. Does anyone else have one? We have our last call for an opportunity. Joel and John gave us their twofer excuse, so you could you could go twice if you need to. So.
I'm not going to call on anybody. All right? Well, um, let's uh, close by singing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You know, God is pleased by our faithfulness, by His grace. And our numbers are small. You guys, when you meet on Wednesdays, thank you for praying for our church. That's such a powerful ministry. And our little time here tonight, who knows what God will do with these great uh, efforts of faithfulness and, and ultimately to his own glory, right? Jesus is producing and building his church. And I know there are many who would be here if they could and will come when time gives them permission. And so we have a bright and wonderful future together. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this, your people. Thank you for our church family. Help us to love one another and encourage one another. We look forward to these and many more uh, experiences like this in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.